You are Locked On Orioles, your daily podcast on the Baltimore Orioles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Locked On Orioles, your place for Orioles news and analysis from the clubhouse to the warehouse and beyond. As always, I'm your host, Justin McGuire. If you're new to the podcast, just a little about myself. I'm a veteran baseball journalist. I spent three years as the Major League Baseball editor for Sporting News. I'm a former Cy Young and Rookie of the Year voter. I have another podcast called Baseball by the Book, which you should check out. And I'm a lifelong Orioles fan. So guys, in today's episode, we are going to be rejoined by Luke Seiler, who has been a frequent guest on the podcast. He's a prospect writer for Orioles Hangout. He joins us today to talk about the Orioles' first three selections in the 2018 MLB draft. He gives us a breakdown of the three guys and some thoughts about how the Orioles did overall. And we're going to have a later episode where we talk about the lower rounds of the draft. But for today, we're going to look at those first three guys. We're going to get to that in just a second. Hey folks, just a reminder... For all the original content of the Locked On Podcast Network, both the podcasts and the written content on every team, go to LockedOnSports.com. And of course, for all your content on the Baltimore Orioles, make sure to go to LockedOnOrioles.com. Hey, everybody. I'd like to welcome back to the podcast Luke Seiler. He's been on several times before. He writes about prospects for Orioles Hangout. Um, and I brought him on today because we are th- th- on, we're recording this on Tuesday, um, the second day of the MLB draft. So I just wanted to talk to Luke about the Orioles' first three picks in the draft. The two guys that they selected on Monday and um, the first one they selected today um, that they did just a, a little bit before we started recording. So I'll just go through the names real quick. In the first round with the 11th overall pick, they took um, Grayson Rodriguez. He's a right-handed pitcher out of Central Heights High School in Nacogdoches, Texas. I don't know if I pronounced Nacogdoches right or not, but in any case. Um, with the 37th overall pick, they selected Caden Griner, um, a shortstop out of Oregon State. And then um, uh, Tuesday, uh, in the third round, with the 80th, 87th overall pick, they selected right-handed pitcher Blaine Knight, out of the University of Arkansas. So, Luke, let's just go through these guys one by one. Um, the Orioles' first pick was um, this guy, Grayson Rodriguez, a, a high school pitcher, which isn't really a surprise because the Orioles have, have gone in that direction several times in recent years, but maybe not necessarily the name that was being associated with him. I hadn't really seen him in a lot of the mock drafts or something. Were you surprised by this pick? Yeah, I was a little surprised. Um, there were a lot of guys that were sitting on the board there for them at 11 that had been mocked to him, that had been highly rated uh, Cole Wynn from California High School. Um, you have Logan Gilbert from Stetson University. Um, Matthew Libertor, um, who's an Arizona prep arm left-hander, was probably the highest rated by the industry that was available at the time. But I guess he was floating uh, some big bonus demands that would have been over slot even at 11. So... The Orioles zigged where other people zagged, and they went with uh, Grayson Rodriguez, who, you know, he's a big guy. He's uh, 6'5", 230, right-hand pitcher, and he was what they call a pop-up arm this spring. So he's a guy that, you know, scouts, analysts saw last summer, but, you know, he didn't really, he didn't really do it for him last summer. He was, you know, low 90s into the 80s, um, had like a slurvy slurvy nothing breaking ball um you know kind of had a bad body at the time was was a little bit uh a little bit thick a little bit 
you know, not as not as lean and muscular as you'd want your prospect to be. But over the winter, what he did was he he worked with a trainer and he worked with a, a separate pitching coach, uh, you know, separate from his high school team. And he worked on a lot of things. And he lost a lot of weight, uh, gained muscle, and he came out this spring and he was throwing much harder. Um, his fastball was up to 98 and it sat pretty comfortably 92 to 94, which is pretty impressive for a high school guy. Um, and from what I've heard, he's, he held the velocity very well through outings and also through the season. Um, the Orioles from, from the comments, uh, by Gary race, um, were out to see him many times throughout the season. And every time they got a look at him, he impressed. Um, so he really jumped up boards. It was rumored that maybe the pirates were in on him at 10, but, uh, I guess the Orioles have been on this guy all along is what it seems like. Now, I mean, we talked about the high school pitchers, and we know the Orioles have, have um, drafted several in recent years, and notably guys like Hunter Harvey and Dylan Bundy. Um, realistically, with a high school pitcher, what's the earliest we could expect to see him in Baltimore? I mean, assuming he doesn't have to go through Tommy John surgery or any of the other injury issues that, that a lot of these guys go through early in their career. Yeah, um, so... Usually with high schoolers, you're thinking, you're thinking, you know, four years. They're, you know, 22 years old. Um, some of the the top guys can be three years, or you know, the phenoms can can sometimes make it after their first full season. But I, I, w- I definitely wouldn't expect that. Even though um, they are saying that he's pretty advanced for a high school pitcher, um, especially compare. So to compare him to Hunter Harvey, um, you know, another high school arm that was drafted in the teen rounds of the draft right-hander he's he's more advanced than Harvey was when Harvey came out Harvey was fastball you know maybe potential plus curveball when he came out and that that was about it and he was skinny and had trouble holding his velocity you know um, things you often see out of high schoolers uh, Rodriguez on the other hand he he's that slurvy breaking ball I was talking about from last year. Now it's two distinct pitches. There's a slider, which is the better pitch. Um, it's an above average pitch. Uh, and it has some sharp movement away from right-handed batters. And then he has a, uh, a curveball, which also is a pretty tight, you know, not a huge deep breaking curveball, but, uh, you know, it has a potential for an average pitch and he also has a potential for an average changeup. So, you know, you're talking about four pitches. Um, he has a good idea of finding the strike zone. I mean, you know, like all high school pitches, his command isn't refined. But And the fastball, besides the velocity, is heavy. And he's tall, and he gets a good downhill plane on the fastball. So it should be one that's going to be – that's going to play up, even above its velocity a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I would say – I would say three years is probably probably what you're looking at. He's going to have to spend some time in the minors, but the Orioles seem to think he's uh, he's pretty advanced, um, and they like his easy delivery. He's got a slow arm circle behind his back, but then it accelerates to release, um, which should help with uh, you know help him help his stuff play up with a little bit of deception there. So. You know, we'll see how see what they do with him when he gets into the system, how fast they move him, 
and how he performs. But, uh, you know, he's a big body guy and I can see him being pretty aggressive with the guy. Some of the stuff that I saw on, you know, on Twitter and from some of the analysts, um, indicate that they see Rodriguez as a, you know, possible number two kind of guy, not necessarily a, a number one in a rotation. Do you think that's about accurate? Yeah. I mean, you can dream on the guy. I mean, <laughs> you know, um, he's got he's got a frame he's got stuff and and the stuff is pretty it came on pretty late so you know maybe there's some more development there but yeah i would i would feel much safer saying his ceiling's a number two than a number one he doesn't have that he doesn't that have that electric out pitch that electric breaking ball that you know you see out of top guys in the draft sometimes um like carter stewart who got picked by the braves a couple picks before the orioles has this disgusting breaking ball that you know spins at 3000 rpms and you know drops a mile um he doesn't have one of those so you know that's usually limits the upside but um you know he just changed his breaking ball this past off season it was one pitch now it's a slider and a curveball so who's to say that you know he can't further develop those pitches and into true out pitches and they're not bad the way they are now. So, yeah, he's definitely a guy you can dream on. Uh, I wouldn't say he's got your, your you know, ace upside that, that some of the high school uh, arms do. But, you know, you never know with these guys. All right. Well, the second pick the Orioles made, again, it was the 37th overall pick. Um, and it was this, this college player, um, Caden Griner. He's a, a shortstop out of Oregon State. Again, I don't know much about him, but from what I've been reading – he is an elite defensive player. He's considered a very good defensive shortstop. Um, tell us what you know about uh, Griner. Yeah, Gr- um, Griner, he's a, I think it's Grenier, oh, okay. I believe, I think. Um, All right, well, I... <laughs> yeah, I could, I, could, I could be mistaken on that. But, uh, yeah, he's he, he's a, a smaller guy. He's 5'11", about 180 pounds. Um, he's a right-handed hitter and a thrower. Um, he was drafted out of high school in, I think, the 21st round. Um but he didn't sign. I think the Cardinals picked him. Um, so he went to school. Oregon State's a, a dominant, you know, college program. They're one of the best teams in the country. Um, and uh, he is a glove first guy. You know, in college, what you'll see with with college shortstops is usually they aren't shortstops in, in pro ball. Usually the, the guys that are going to stick at shortstop, they get signed out of high school. Um, so when you see the shortstop by someone's name a college pick a lot of times that means oh they're going to be a third baseman oh they're going to be a second baseman maybe they'll move to the outfield you know they're not they're not you know defensively gifted enough to play play that position in the pros uh Grenier that's not the case um he's a lock to stay at shortstop he could be as much as a plus defender at shortstop although um that's not, you know, your likely outcome. It's really hard to find those guys, um, you know, like the Anderson, Anderson Simmons types. Uh, but he could be an above average glove there. Um, his defense is very polished. He's, you know, it's pretty close to major league ready. And that component, he could move fast um, if he hits. Uh, and I'll get into that in a second. But, um, you know, He's got he's got plenty of uh, quickness for the position of shortstop. He's got plenty of arm. Um, everything you like to see. He's very polished. Um, 
He's, you know, plays at a big program. His double play partner is Nick Madrigal, who was drafted, I believe, fourth or fifth overall. So, I mean, he's been turning double plays with, you know, the best defensive second baseman in the draft. And he's, he may be the best defensive shortstop in the draft. Um, I didn't think they would go with Grenier this high or anyone would go with Grenier this high because there is some real questions about his bat. Um, and to get into that, he hit pretty well this year. He hit, uh, 335, uh, with a 420 on base percentage and a 477 slugging percentage, um, you know, and a good conference, uh, the pac 10 and pac 12 now. <laughs> um, and, but the big, the big worry with him is he has a swing that's kind of, kind of tailored to a composite, you know, a composite bat. Um, rather than a wood bat. And he's never hit well with wood. Um, the summer before last in the Cape Cod League, which is like the top prospect league um, for summer baseball. And this past summer, he made the collegiate national team. And both summers, he hit below 200 with a wood bat, so with very little power. So that's kind of concerning. And looking at his swing... Um, there's a couple things in there that need to be cleaned up, um, you know, with his hands and also using his lower half better. So, um, he's going to be a project with the bat. Um, the Orioles must've seen something that they could do there, um, to give him some upside, uh, to grab him this early. Uh, but, uh, as a defender, you know, he could be a fast moving utility guy if he doesn't hit better, but if the Orioles could do something and get him to just be an average hitter, you know, average, average hit tool, fringe average power or something like that, you know, that's a, that's a starter at shortstop, you know, that's a pretty good player. So I'm not sure what they're going to do with him developmentally, whether they're going to try to change his swing. Uh, but there is some potential there if they can get those things ironed out. All right. Well, again, and I, I apologize for mispronouncing his name if I did. <laughs> yeah, I, I might I might be wrong too. You know, I, I was like trying to figure out how to say it before. All right. So we're, we're all just learning about these guys. So um, I guess we'll know soon enough. Um, all right. So the the third round pick that they had, which we found out just you know shortly before we started recording, um, in the eighty seventh overall pick in the draft is a college pitcher, Blaine Knight out of the University mm-hmm. of Arkansas. What do we know about him? Okay, so Blaine Knight, he, he was a draft-eligible sophomore last year. He got picked, uh, I guess there was he was having some pretty big bonus demands to, you know, sophomores have more leverage because they can go back to school and, um, you know, still get drafted fairly highly their, their junior year. Um, and I guess he had, he had pretty decent demands, and so he didn't go, get drafted until late, and he didn't sign. So he went back to Arkansas. I really liked him as a draft eligible sophomore last year. Um, he's he's six three, he's one hundred seventy pounds, so he's like a string bean. He's he's extremely thin. Oh, um, yeah, that that combination is very yeah. very thin. Yes, yeah. I mean, I, I thought I was thin in high school when I was five ten, you know, one forty. So, but six three one seventy that's a that's a skinny guy, and you know he looks it. Um, he's he's got a really quick arm. He's got a he's got a good delivery that he repeats well. Um, his fastball's up 95, 96 at times, but because he's not particularly strong, he's not particularly, you know, he doesn't have a durable frame. They've been kind of 
you know, going easy on him. He hasn't been pitching in summer ball. Um, and, you know, his velocity plays down much lower over the course of a game. Um, but he's a guy that has the potential for four average pitches. He's got a big breaking uh, curveball, a tight slider that maybe is kind of cutterish, um, more more horizontal movement, the vertical. And he's also got a feel for a changeup. So, um, and he's a guy you can dream on too. I mean, if if you look at Grayson Rodriguez and Caden Grenier, um, you know those are both guys that the Orioles nabbed ahead of where you know the quote unquote industry consensus of least publicly available, you know, draft prospect data has them. Um, Blaine Knight's a guy that's, that's fallen to them. Um, you know, is a guy that some people thought could be as early as a supplemental round, um, that could get nabbed somewhere around where Grenier got taken. So, um, there's definitely some upside there. If, if, if you can get him in a pro strength and conditioning program and get him so he can start, you know, holding his stuff throughout outings, um, and become more durable, you know, at at worst, you, you let him go from the bullpen and, uh, you know, blow things up over a couple innings. So, you know, I, I really liked the pick, you know, the Orioles weren't getting too cute with that pick. They were just, uh, took the best player that fell to them. So again, though, um, this is a guy who's potentially could be a starter, but also is, yes. is maybe maybe a bullpen arm. One of those guys that are so common now who come in and just just throw it as hard as they can for an inning or two. Um, yes, I mean, there's nothing in his mechanics that screams bullpen at you. There's nothing in his command or his number of pitches. Like he he shouts starter at you. It's just a matter of you know getting him strong enough and durable enough that he can you know give you six seven innings and outing without breaking down without losing his stuff and losing his effectiveness. Um, he's not like, he's not like some of the guys that the Orioles have tried at starter, like, uh, Jimmy Acabonis, you know, who, who have a, you know, really high, he's not, he's not a high effort guy. He, he has a good starters delivery. He's got a starters frame. He's got a starters, you know, repertoire of pitches, but it's just a matter of, really getting stronger for him so he so he can keep the stuff up throughout outings and throughout a season. All right. Well, obviously, the Orioles have made, um, as we talked, they've already made uh, at least one other pick and probably you know, soon they'll mm-hmm. make another. We don't want to get into all those right now because they're so recent, and I don't think you've had time to even really <laughs> digest who the guy, these guys are. But maybe we can have you back on at some point to take a look at some of these lower-round guys and see what we think about them. Yeah, definitely. And it's going to be interesting because uh, one thing I didn't really get into with with Grace and Rodriguez and Grenier is both of those guys um, are possible underslots. Um, so what that means is for, for anyone who's not familiar with the, the, uh, the rules <laughs> regarding the amateur draft, um, each pick has a certain slot value, a certain monetary value tied to it that you can pay in bonuses to sign that player. You take those values for the first for all the picks through the first 10 rounds and that's your draft pool. And if you can spend that, however you want spread out amongst your, your picks. Um, but you know, you're pretty limited. You can go over it maybe by 5%, I think before the penalties really start kicking in. So sometimes what teams will do is they'll, they'll see a guy they like in the first round. They like, maybe he's, maybe he's, you know, a late first round type of talent, but they really like them. They're higher on them than other teams. They'll nab them early 
and sign him for, you know, 500,000 or a million under slot and use that money to get a guy that might, you know, have some qualms about, you know, might want to go to college, but, you know, you throw a million and a half on his, on his plate in the, in the fourth or fifth round. And all of a sudden they sign. So, so I would, without knowing for sure what, what the, you know, Rodriguez and Grenier are going to sign for, I would, I would keep an eye out for, for high school talent getting drafted. Um, they already popped one at number four. Uh, I won't go into them today though, but, uh, I think they'll probably pop a couple more high school guys, um, because they, they look to have some money to be able to throw at those guys to get them to go pro rather than go to school. All right, so I want to put you on the spot just a little bit here with these first yes. three guys, Rodriguez, yes. Grenier, and Knight. Give me a, gra- a grade, a letter grade for the Orioles on <laughs> these first three picks. So so a brief disclaimer before I give my grade. Um, you know, I look at video. I read scouting reports. I do my own video scouting a little bit. But, but these are guys that the Orioles have had multiple scouts in to see, cross-checkers, scouting directors, and, you know, so – far be it from me to, to try and, you know, say that they didn't see something. And these guys, they obviously know more about these players than I do, but, um, I think they could have been a little less cute with it. I think, um, I think they, they, there were guys I liked better at both picks, um, especially at 37. I, I think, uh, Grenier might've made it back to him at, at 87, possibly. Um, I think they were afraid of, of, of losing them. You know, they want that, they want that shortstop that could move fast. It may have been a little bit for need, which I'm not a big fan of in the draft. Um, I like the Grayson Rodriguez pick, especially if he signs under slot. I mean, that would be a great, a great get, you know, maybe, you know, the best stuff um, as far as a four pitch, you know, arsenal, of any of the guys the Orioles have in the minors right now. So that would be pretty cool, cool at underslot there and, you know, save some money for later on in the draft. But I would say maybe a C, C minus um, right now. Now, like I said, the Orioles obviously know a lot more about these players than me. And, and during the tenure of Gary Rasich, um, they've, they've kind of zigged where other teams have zagged. Uh, for example, Brennan Hennefee wasn't on anyone's radar. Um, he wasn't on baseball America's top 500. Um, they nabbed him in the fourth round and he's turned out really well. They, they picked uh, guys like Ryan Mountcastle and Chance Cisco who have both overperformed their draft spot and were much lower ranked, you know, by the industry quote unquote. So, you know, I, I definitely say to reserve judgment um, until we see how the development of these guys plays out because, you know, um, in recent years, the Orioles have drafted pretty well, um, you know, all things considered. I know it, you know, with the state of the current team, it doesn't really doesn't really seem like it. But with the picks they've had, they've done pretty well in the recent years. So, um, but with that said, from a personal opinion, C minus, I would say. All right, and then one other thing I want to point out for people who are listening to this, if you want to get a look at Grenier or Knight, um, both of their teams are still alive in the NCAA tournament, so they will be playing Super Regionals this weekend, 
and both possibly moving on to the College World Series in Omaha. So if you're interested in, in getting a look at them, you'd have an opportunity to do so this weekend. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm, I'm going to be watching for sure. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Luke. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. And that's going to do it for another edition of Locked On Orioles. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.